Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Grab your Bible. Let's get into the Word of God. We're continuing the series today called The Table. The Table. Now, that's kind of an odd name for a series, but the reason why we called it The Table, and while you're turning your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you don't have it, we have it up here. If you want to follow me in my sermon notes, you can go on the app and do that. Did you know you can print off my sermon notes at home before you come to church and follow them here? Just, just an FYI. So the table is a series based on uh, discussions that we believe every Christian family should have. Hard discussions. And, uh, you know, how many of you have ever had tabletop discussions with your family or called the kids to the table or the family to the table? I mean, the table is a great place to eat and come together and we have supper, right? We have supper together and eat and uh, we talk about things. But sometimes there's times when you call the family up and you say, hey, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit. We need to discuss some things. And then you have these discussions. Now, we, we have these discussions in my house. If I feel like something's going on or something's, you know, I need to forewarn my family about or keep them, you know, up to par with, whatever it may be, I, I feel like I need to have a talk with them. I'll tell them, let's go to the table. Let's talk. We need to have a family discussion. There are other times I just sit there and I want to talk to them and my kids will tell you, man, I'm random. I'll tell them let's have a discussion at 9.30 at night. 10 o'clock at night. I'm a night person, man. I like working. I think because I grew up in the dance hall business, I wasn't raised in church. My family owned the biggest dance hall in Victoria back in the 90s and so forth. And, and I just, I don't know what it is. I just, middle of the night, it may hit me at 10 o'clock at night where you, most of you are sleeping. Hey. Everybody get out of bed. Let's come on. Let's have a tabletop discussion. Let's talk. Got to talk to you about something. I think that's when things slow down for me. But I don't care how you do it, when you do it. As long as you know there are some discussions you have to have to talk to your kids about. Well, this is one of those discussions as a church family we feel like is necessary. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, the Bible says this. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. Now, if you notice this in the key scripture, it says lovers of themselves that precedes everything else. Hold on to your seatbelts and keep looking straight forward and you'll never give yourself away on the rest of these. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers. Kind of like watching the news right now, isn't it? Without self-control. Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but, read this with me, denying the power, but denying the power, and from such people turn away. That's what Timothy writes as a, as a pastor. You got to remember, he's talking to his congregation, and or actually this is Paul writing to Timothy, can asking Timothy to convey this to the church. Timothy was a young pastor. And so when you read this, you start understanding a little bit clearer that he had an assignment. His assignment was to take care of God's people. So he starts describing all these attributes of different people in the world and things that are going on. And apparently it's just, you know, 
pretty bad. It was something he had to discuss, something you have to talk about. I mean, the worst thing you can do is turn a blind eye to mischief, and you know, even little, even little babies can grow up to be monsters if you don't take care of those things. <laughs> Just being honest with you, I know most of you out there, I've seen you parent, and I've seen you get on those babies even when they're little. You know, you got to correct them because whatever you don't correct right now, you know, whatever you don't instruct now, you'll have to correct later. But that's another whole sermon and series. The point is, is that Timothy was instructed by Paul, and he, was said, he said to them one thing. These people that I'm telling you about Timothy, these are church people. These are people that are in the world that claim to know Jesus, or they claim to know religion, but they're denying one thing. They're denying the power. And we understand power. Power changes things. Power changes things. So you can be religious, or you can be um, a believer, or you can be whatever in your life, but if you really don't accept the one thing that will change you, then it limits you and, and it puts a ceiling over your life. I don't know about you, but I don't want ceiling, a ceiling over my life in God. I want all things to be removed. I want everything he has for me. I want all the blessing he has for, for me. I want all the goodness of God in my life. I want everything that God, how many of you want everything God has for you? How many of you want to live a blessed life, an abundant life, and live something that's going to make a difference in your world? So this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the subtitle of today's message is called The Necessity of Power. The Necessity of Power. Can you turn to your neighbor and tell them, do you have power? Do you have power? Do you have power? Turn to somebody. And you know what? Honestly, it's kind of, it's kind of, you're kind of sleepy. I think you can feel that weather kicking. Turn around to somebody on the other side, pinch them right here on the, on the side, and then tell them, wake up. I said, did you have power? Do you have authority? Do you have influence in your life? And you can be seated this Sunday morning. God bless you. Uh, once more, I'd like to say uh, God bless you, and thank you for choosing Covenant Life today and visiting with us. All of our first-time guests, thank you guys for being here. It's such an honor to have you with us. I, um, I had a brother. I had a brother who was, man, he was such a Hulk. <laughs> Not just in strength to me when I was a kid, but just in faith. This, uh, this guy, my brother, who passed away with cancer, I saw this, I saw this man um, at the age of, in his 40s, really, young, wrestle with a brain tumor. And, and I, saw, I saw him go through grandma seizures, like, like, just like no other person has. I've never seen him so extreme, where the body goes into convulsions. And um, some of you have experienced this in your family. You've maybe have seen some things that maybe others haven't been through, bouts with different diseases and so forth. And what really shines the most and comes out the most in an individual is their character and strength during troubling times and trying times. And you can see who they really are, and you can really tell the, the, the grace that God has in their life and their faith. Well, my brother, my brother, who, who before he had gotten sick and before he went through his bout with cancer, uh, he was a super heavyweight power lifter. And we used to own a fitness center, and we owned the, 
uh, facility in town. My, my dad had a number of businesses in town. My father had a, a you know, my gosh, he had a real estate company. He had a warehouse. He had a jewelry store. He had the, the convention center. And then we owned a fitness center. And at one time, a, a golf driving range and so many things. But my brother was the one who took care of that fitness center. And he was strong. I seen this guy bench press 600 pounds like it was nothing. And he was the guy that was just always my hero when I looked up to him. And then when he got sick with cancer, he kind of just frailed away and shrunk and got smaller. And but that same kind of strength he had and that same type of ability he had when he was healthy, the same kind of faith that carried over to when he was sick. And I saw him walk in faith. He wouldn't want anybody to feel sorry for him. You walk up to him and you ask him, how you feeling today? He'd say, I feel with my hands. And you'd ask him, hey, man, what's up, Rick? He'd go, oh, man, Jesus. He'd walk and have a seizure sometimes, and he'd fall on the ground, then he'd get right back up and just keep on walking and whistle like nothing happened. He never lost faith. He never lost that ability to walk and face life, and it was such an inspiration to me. And I've seen him pray for people, too. I can write a book about him, and I, 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 I want to document a lot of things that I'd seen in his life. Whenever he was sick, he just sold everything he had. He moved to Ocampo and wanted to live away from Victoria just because he was so busy. He knew a lot of people, and he wanted to get by himself and just, just think about God and go to church and just focus on his health. And Well, I saw him sell everything he had, literally. I mean, he was the kind of guy that read the Bible, and he'd read it where... Jesus approached the young man and said, there's one thing you like, sell everything you have and give to the poor and follow me. Well, my brother read that scripture and he'd follow it to the T and go, okay, man, I'm going to sell everything I've got. And he did it. He sold everything he had, gave his house away for a fraction of the price and did it. And some things he did, I felt were extreme. I thought, man, Rick, dude, I said, are you crazy? Are you kidding? I said, man, you got to think about some of these things, but he just didn't care because he was in a place of desperation. I wasn't in his shoes. I couldn't understand. But I watched him. And so his faith just kind of ignited things. And I saw him. I saw him praying for people that had cancer. And believe it or not, I saw these people get healed of cancer. Some of them instantly, some within a projection of time. And I saw him win. He won, he won so many people, but he won 14 men to the gospel. And they're all pastors today. All of them. This is the guy I saw when, when we had the, 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 I'm telling a story for a reason because you have to understand, not everybody's interpretation of power is the same. But I saw them as a young man when we had our, our facility and we had a concert going on at the convention center. Uh, there was a lady who was there with, she, she, she was just doing the wrong thing with, with another man and, and the husband found out and the husband came and when they all came out of the building... This man just ran over him with the car, all eight people that were with them in a crowd, and ran over them. And, and there was one person who was under the tire, and I saw my brother run out to the car, and I saw my brother go underneath the car, grab it, and lift up the car. And they pulled everybody out from underneath there. Now, this is when God was dealing with my brother. My brother didn't have a clue. So much of what really the Bible had to say. He wasn't a theologian. He wasn't a, he wasn't a uh, you know, scholar. But 
but he had faith. And so that was the beginning stages of his walk with God. We owned the convention center. We had concerts. We had all these things going on, and God was dealing with my brother. He'd carry his Bible in the middle of a concert. <laughs> he didn't know any better. He was just trying to get his life together. And when he saw this one thing happen, he ran out there, and that adrenaline just kind of kicks in. And he picked it up, and they pulled that person out from this car. And this, uh, this lady was sitting there lifeless. She had passed. Everyone was yelling, she's dead. They felt her pulse. She wasn't there. And my brother was there. This nightclub owner who was in the middle of trying to figure out where his life was, carrying a Bible in his hand. That's the craziest thing ever, right? To see a nightclub owner walk up around with the Bible in his hand. Unheard of. Crazy stuff, right? What a contradiction. People would probably told him, hey, man, you're a hypocrite for being here with that. What's wrong with you? He didn't care. He was trying to figure his life out. But he ran up to that car, and when that happened and he saw the dead person there, He laid hands on her and said, God, touch her. And when he laid hands on her, I remember the crowd saying this, Oh my God, the power of God is here. The power of God, you can feel God here. And in that moment, my brother was praying. He looked up and he had never heard about this, but he started praying in another language started praying, and he got his prayer language. (laughs) And immediately that lady started breathing, and she came back to life. She couldn't move, and the ambulance came, and the news center came out, and even CNN hit national news. It was on CNN before CNN had really blown up, but it was on CNN, and KBU took it and sent it, and somehow, I don't know how it all worked out, but... Anyways, they're sitting there, and she couldn't move. They take her to the hospital. They do the x-rays on her. And when they do the x-rays on her, they find out all of her vertebrae. Everything is shattered. Everything is shattered. And my brother at that moment said, well, you know, if God can do that and bring her back to life, I believe God can heal her back. He just believed. And this was a guy who was strong, a strong guy, but... When you take what you're accustomed to and apply it towards God, no telling what God would do for you. And so my brother looked at them, and they all gathered together, and his wife, and they prayed. The next day they came back, and they took the x-rays again, and her, her spine was completely healed and made whole. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but... This woman's sister was coming to church as a member of this church. She started coming to church a while back, and she remembered all these things that happened. I told the story to people. They didn't believe me, but finally somebody from the family actually came to church and confirmed the story. And It's just amazing what God would do. Power. We take power for granted. We think power has its own definition. I don't know what your definition of power is, but I know one thing. In my life, I now believe that God is all-powerful. God is most powerful. He's omnipotent is what the scripture says. Omnipotent, full of unlimitless, unlimited power and ability to do all things. I mean, listen, he created the heavens and the earth, right? He formed all things. He made all things. And for God to, to us to think for one moment that that same power is not available to us in some fashion, almost just puts a limit in our life. There's nothing God can't do. 
Some people identify power as favor or just the power of love, you know. Peace can be powerful. I don't know what your definition is, but I do know one thing. Before your life ends or before you leave this church even or just through life, there's one thing God wants you to do. He wants you to recognize him as the true source of power for your life. No matter what it could be, no matter what it is, we've taken power for granted. We take power for granted when we walk into our houses. You don't stand at the light switch and go like this, do you? You don't stand at the light switch and go, before you touch it, in Jesus' name, Lord, please let this light switch work. God, I pray, I rebuke all the spirit of darkness. I just pray, God, in your name, make it happen right now, in Jesus' name. You don't ever, you don't sweat that. You walk in there without even thinking, flip the switch on and keep on going. No thinking about it. No thinking because it's faith. You're accustomed. But did you know behind that little switch is 120 volts of AC current, electricity, that will light your world, son, if you touch it. (laughs) You see... I know that in the first service, we had a number of people that amen me on this next little statement, on this next little part of what I'm about to say. But, you know, there was a day that we didn't have that kind of a privilege. Uh, Farmers used to go out there and they had to water their crops with pails of water from the well. If you had running water in your house, it's because you ran to the well and ran back. That was running water. You used to cook, we used to cook on wood-burning stoves. Then you'd take the ashes and throw them on the garden. Y'all don't know nothing about that, do you? We, none of us do. No air conditioning. No air conditioning. Uh, different things. If you had a, I mean, listen, to belt hay, they had a pitchfork. And I did this growing up. I don't know why they made me do it, probably just to be mean to me. But one time I had to cut grass with a yo-yo. Anybody know anything about a yo-yo? You know what a yo-yo is? Is that stick with the blade on the end of it? Nobody? Okay, thank you. They're all Latinos too, by the way, the one that lays their head. (laughs) They didn't have a lawnmower. Power. We take it for granted. But one day, a man by the name of Benjamin Franklin came around and said, you know what, I'm going to fly a kite, put a key on it, and I want to try to test this theory, test this out a little bit. And he did. And when he did this, not only did that electricity hit the key, but it also came down and it struck him, and it's, that's what made him a true believer. And then after that, people followed suit. Then we have people like Thomas Edison that came out, and people invented the light bulb and things, and they learned how to harness that. They learned how to capture it. Then they learned how to generate it. Then they learned how to just duplicate that and expand it. But when someone finds out a true source of power, everyone's intrigued with it and do really don't know how to channel that and make it happen. Except God show you. You know, the scripture says that God does give us uh, the ability and the mind for what he invention in the book of Proverbs. God causes us to invent things. You ever wonder how people come up with things? We don't give God enough credit. I believe God inspires people. I really believe that. But, but this is what's interesting. So we, we grow into an era of people who are blessed with power and 
would you just say the convenience, the modern convenience of all that we've got? And we sit on it and we don't appreciate it sometimes until a storm comes and we're without power, right? But we're just waiting for them to put it back on. In the Christian world, the reason why I'm saying all these things is because sometimes we treat the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, like that. And we take it for granted because every day, the Scripture scripture emphatically says that we walk in His mercy every single day. Great is His faithfulness. God is faithful to you and I. He's always there. He promised and He said He'd never leave us, nor would He ever forsake us, right? We're so used to it. We know that we wake up every day and, you know, we know how to get grace from God and mercy from God. And listen, all of us have failed and fallen short of God's grace. There's not one person. You look nice today, by the way. You look really good today. I smelled some of you. Some of you smell good too. Uh, You look really good, but you ain't fooling nobody. Okay, we know already. We know we're not perfect. We know we don't have it all together. The secret you've learned is you've learned how to use the power of God in your life for mercy and the power of forgiveness. And you've understood the power of love. Love is powerful. Listen, love is powerful. The Bible says that nothing shall separate us from the love of God, nor hypes, nor death, nor, nor, nor angels, nor principalities, nor darkness. Nothing can separate you from the power of God's love. And we know how to work that love. It's like a light switch. We just know it's on. He loves me. We love John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world, not just loved the world, so loved the world. And we know these things. But the one thing we don't know is, is that there's more to God than just the basics. There's more to God than just the basics. When God calls you to live life and gives you an assignment, uh, God wants to empower you to fulfill your destiny. Some people were meant to be priests, and everyone has a ministry. I believe every single person, if you have breath, if you are a human being, God created you with gifts, talents, and abilities. Those were meant to be used by God. Whatever field he puts you in, you were meant to be the influence for him in that area. And without him, you're limited. Most Christians are still cooking, if you don't mind me using the, the analogy, some, most Christians are still cooking on a wood stove. Most Christians are still using the yo-yo. And they're living at the cross only and not experiencing their Pentecost are not experiencing something more because this is what Jesus told the disciples. You see, he, he spent time with his 12, save one that didn't make it. And then he told them, now, you've been with me all this time. Peter, James, and John, and Matthew, and all of you, you've been with me this entire time. Now I'm going to release you out into the world. I'm going to send you out into the world, and you're going to do things greater than what I've done. But first, this is what he said. Listen to what he said. Luke chapter 24, verse 48 and 49. He said, and you are witnesses of these things. This is, the, this is after. This portion of scripture is actually referring to 40 days after Jesus was risen from the dead. He had spent time with his disciples for 40 days and 40 nights, conveying the scripture to those who walked with him. 
And he ended with this conclusion, and he said this to them, and you're witnesses of all these things that have happened. Everything you've seen, you're the ones who, who bore witness to it. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem and two, until you be endued with power from on high. You're going to go out and change the world, but before you change the world, I have to change you. How many of you know that concept? Some of us want to change the world, but we won't let God change us. I mean, he's the one who created all things, knows all things, sees all things, and he's everywhere. Listen, if I want anybody to be my CEO, I want Jesus to be my CEO. Am I, am I right? I mean, he has all wisdom, all power, all authority, and all things, and he's the one that has my back. I mean, listen, guys, he's got your six. You understand what I'm talking about? He's your protector. He's your provider. But, but he told the disciples, I want you to reach out to the world. Their calling was different than ours, but yet similar. Because when you're part of the kingdom of God and you're a child of God, you have an assignment. Everyone has an assignment. But we can't fulfill the assignment without his help. And so he said, go to Jerusalem. And we know the rest of the story. They're there in Acts chapter 2, and they're waiting for him. And the Bible says that the Spirit descended, and there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there fell unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they began to be mocked by other people. And then they began to be really just, just become a, a, an obstacle, uh, more or less of an attraction, more or less an attraction. And, People said to them, I think these guys are drunk, man. I think they've lost their mind. Peter stood up and said, these guys aren't drunk. It's only 9 o'clock. It's only the third hour of the day. But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. God said he was going to pour his spirit out on all flesh. He was going to begin to do a work that no one else can do. And listen, Jesus did not walk on this earth by his own ability. He walked in this earth under the influence, the power of his Father, under the power of God in his life. That's why he's known today. He is known today still as the Messiah, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords is because he had power. Somebody say power. power. He had the ability to change something. I like hanging around big guys. I like hanging around people that have power. I like hanging around people when I need help that can make a difference in my life. Listen, if I'm hurting financially, I'm not going to go to a poor person. I'm going to go to a rich person. Okay, That's all I'm saying. Power makes a difference. Uh, you need to get somebody to encourage you. Don't go to a, someone who's depressed all the time. The worst thing, you, I'm getting off subject, but I have to say it. The worst thing you can do when you're feeling miserable is call somebody else miserable. <laughs> oh, it's me. You're never going to believe this. Look what she said to me. Don't call your, don't call anybody else. You know, you need to call. I'll let you answer that question. Here's what I want to tell you. In all my life and all the things that I've ever seen and all the friends that I've had and all the machines I've ever worked with, all the corporations I've ever known of, there's nothing more powerful than the Spirit of God. Nothing more powerful. He can make things happen. We're talking about the one who said, let there be and there was with no sweat. No sweat. Just said it and it was. 
What makes us think that that kind of authority and power isn't available for us today? And what makes us think for one moment that we can't have the peace and the joy and the favor and the love and every attribute that Jesus had? You can and you should because Jesus said, I am going to the Father. And because I go, listen to that in John 14 and 15, read it. I go unto my Father and because I go to him, then you are going to have authority and you're going to be empowered. I believe the Lord is coming back one day. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe in the second coming? I believe he's coming back. I do. I mean, listen, all signs are showing, all the, the signs are being proved. I mean, it, it's just evident. It's crazy right now. But the truth is, uh, God can handle crazy. But I believe he's coming back one day and coming back for his church. I do believe that. But I also believe that he sent his spirit down into the earth and it's come already. I do believe that he already sent his spirit because the Bible says that if that same spirit that was in Christ is in you, the same will resurrect your body at the last day. When, when does that take place? Well, when you receive an experience with God and God gives you his spirit, he gives you his presence and you've accepted the Lord into your life and there's an experience that you have with God. There is no limits to that. But if you're living life and living it at a lower level, if you're living life with limitations, if you're letting everyone else dictate your relationship with God by, by being a status quo, some of the most successful people in the world I have ever met have been people that, believe me, believe in God, whether you, they look like it or not. Everyone believes in a God. Everyone believes in a God. I don't care what their God is. Everyone has a faith, puts trust in something. But there's something about the supernatural favor of God that comes into your life. There's something about the strengthening of God. And people who believe that are less dependent on themselves and more dependent on God. Amen. Number one, let me simply relay this to you. The Spirit does God's work. The Holy Spirit does God's work in our life. The Holy Spirit. And it's almost as if Jesus went up to heaven. It's like, it's like this. It's almost like, an excuse the analogy, I used to be an I&E technician, so I kind of, kind of, use these electrical terms and things sometimes, but it's almost like Jesus, when he was talking to the disciples, he was almost like telling them, I'm going to take and go to the Father. I'm going to take an extension cord from here to heaven. And because I'm going to the Father, everything I've done is made a way and opened up the floodgates of heaven for you because of what I did, because of what the life, the life that I gave that was on the cross. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ, the scripture says that even in his day, on that day when he said it is finished, the temple, there was an earthquake and the temple was rent into two from top to bottom. And that was significant, I believe, symbolic for that holy place where God's spirit was being contained by the Ark of the Covenant. Everything that was there that was being restricted from men, what men and women had no access to, but only the high priest did. It was now torn into two. Jesus became our high priest. He became the sacrifice. And now he said, I will save whoever wants salvation in their life. If all they've got to do is call on my name, 
call on me and I will be there. And he opened it up for all humanity. So, so this is what he said, because I did that. Now I'm going to go sit at the right hand of power with the Father. And now he's going to pour his spirit out. I've made a connection for you. Now you have access to the same thing I had access to. And guess what? Greater the works you're going to do because I go to the Father. Greater works you're going to do. I'm just simply trying to tell every believer in this building, take the limits off, take the restrictions off, get rid of the limitations in your mind of what you think God should be or what religion is, and know that God has more. God has more. That's all I'm saying. You're limiting yourself. God has more for you. God has more for every believer, but it's the spirit that does the work. It's a spirit that does the work. It's by faith. By faith. Isn't it, wasn't it kind of amusing? I bet you to an atheist it's kind of amusing for every, if an atheist walked into the building, and if you're an atheist today, you never know. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, listening to our podcast, and you really have a hard time really giving in to, to faith, I bet you it's amusing when someone walks into the church that doesn't really believe, but yet look at everybody raising their hands. And you're like, what in the world? Are we doing the wave? Right? <laughs> oh, we're not doing the wave, dummy. The scripture says, lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubt. It's a sign of surrender. You see, this is an expression of the heart. I lift my hands, and when you lift them up, you're, you're at full mass right here. If you're kind of embarrassed and you're a newbie, you're at like half mass. You know? And if you're really embarrassed, you're kind of like this. You know, you're worshiping you. <laughs> like, you don't want your wife to see because, you know, you made fun of her already, but you're really starting to feel it now, so you're kind of like. <laughs> People surrender to God because you can't see it, but you can feel it. You can feel, how many of you feel it when you raise your hands and you surrender to worship? How many of you, listen, you know what, you know what's crazy to me? I, I, listen, I was raised in the dance, in the night hall business, in the dance club business, and I, I haven't, I remember some of you, oh yeah, yeah, I, I was little, but I have a good memory, and I remember some of you, that music came on, you're sitting down, I remember how people used to be, and that music comes on, or the fiti fiti, whatever it may be, and you're like, oh, hijo, that's my song, man. Golly, me I remember. Looked like a fool, but you did it anyways. You didn't care who was watching you. But you felt something because music has that chemistry in your body and it makes emotions rise up and all these different things. But I want to tell you something. When you allow God to move into your life and you surrender to his presence, there is something that begins to change your chemistry and you ought to be acceptable. I mean, let me just say it like this. You ought to not be embarrassed about expressing yourself to God who is more honorable and more... Uh, really deserving of your energy in your worship. That's all I'm saying. Never let anybody make you feel intimidated if you want to worship God and express yourself. I always tell people, when you come to church, if you want to worship, you just put yourself in that silent cone. Just put yourself in that silent cone and just worship. I tell our, our, our sound people, I tell them all the time, I said, don't put the music too loud, but don't make it too low. 
We want it loud enough to create a barrier between people so when they do worship, the person next to them can't hear what they're saying. Maybe I'm giving too much information away. <laughs> you thought just having church is just having church, right? It's a little bit more than that. It's a lot of thought that goes into what we do. We want to create an environment where people can talk to God. Some of you just don't care. You'll talk to God no matter what, right? It's like that little, little, little lady that went to church and, and the worship music was on and she was standing up. She was praising God, just worshiping God. And then the music stopped and she still stayed to sit up there worshiping God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praising him. And the preacher stood up and about to start a sermon. Finally, he looked over there to her and said, ma'am. He said, hey, sister. He said, I know you're happy and everything, but you got to sit down. Time to sit down. And she just kept on praising God and kept on worshiping God. Finally, he goes, hey, Sister Mary, time to sit down. She finally looked at the pastor and said, Pastor, how can I sit down when the Holy Ghost is standing up? I mean, sometimes people, if you wonder why they do what they do, is because they're feeling something that you can't see. They're expressing something that someone else is feeling, and that person is Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God does the work. The Apostle Paul knew this. You know, the Apostle Paul was one of the most effective apostles in the Scripture. He, he wasn't even part of the 12 when Jesus was alive, yet he wrote more books than any other apostle, and he established more churches to record to date that we know of in the New Testament church. And listen to what he said in 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. Listen to what he said, why he was so effective. He said this. He said, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's why he was effective. That was a man. Listen, you know anything about Paul, you'll know that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He sat at the feet of scholars. He was a politician. He was a Pharisee. He said, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a man who was educated. He had political influence, but when God changed his life, it was almost as if that same kind of authority and that same kind of influence and the same kind of faith he had in the world, it's like he took it into the church world and was more dependent on God. At some point in your life, you have to make a transition and realize what really matters in this world. I've said it a hundred times. I have never seen a U-Haul hooked up to a hearse. I have never seen anybody. I've seen people take their items, precious items with them. I've seen people, I've done many funerals. Many funerals, and I've seen people put articles of jewelry inside the casket, and I've seen people, you know, give special things, and that's wonderful, and that's great, but I'm going to tell you something. They're not going to need it where they're going, because where they're going, there's plenty of gold. The streets are made of gold. The gates are made of pearls. <laughs> there are gems that you haven't even seen in this world that are going to be there, and that's all I'm saying. This thing is just temporary, but where we're going is for eternity, and you get real estate over there by how you live over here. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So, so, so our goal should never be to have faith and complete faith in ourselves. We put limits on our lives. Our goal should be to have complete 
faith and trust in the power of God in our life. That power is defined very broadly. The power of God can do anything. I've seen God make business deals for me that I couldn't make for myself. I've seen the power of God come in and change a heart. You want to know how to get over your frustration with dealing with people? Stop dealing with people. Let Let me define that a little bit before you start cutting everybody out of your life. Let me rephrase that by saying it like this. The reason why some of you are weary because of people is because you're the one trying to change their heart when God is the only one that can. Does that make sense? The worst thing you can do is try to, try to change somebody's will. That's the powerful thing about God. That's what, that's what makes God so powerful as well. The greatest miracle I've ever seen is not blind eyes open, and I've seen them open. I have actually seen it in this church. I have seen it right here. I've seen somebody... They had a short leg. I saw it grow out. You ever seen that before? It's the craziest thing in the world. I've seen people healed. I've seen people just, just powerful things. But the most powerful thing I've ever seen in my life is a changed heart. A strong-willed person who said, I ain't ever going to live for God. Or, I ain't ever going to do this. I ain't doing that. You watch. If long as you keep on praying, as long as you keep on talking to God, God's going to continue to deal with people in their life, and all it takes is one thought towards him to open up that opportunity to God. He begins to work, and he changes the heart. But you can't keep having arguments. Who am I talking to? You can't keep having arguments with people and having disagreements with everybody if you're the one that's going to try to keep changing them. Love them, pray for them, and the goodness of God leads to repentance. It means the goodness of God that's in their life will cause them to have a changed heart, in other words. That's wisdom, but that's powerful. You know how to make a you know, you know how to get rid of your enemies? Make them a friend. You know why Jesus said, pray for your enemies? That's kind of a, that's kind of a tough thing to do, right? Pray for your enemies because he's more concerned about your condition than he is theirs. He loves them too, but he wants you to know if he's going to work through your life, you have to allow him to flow through it by forgiveness and love and those things and right standing with him. God can do more through his spirit with the heart in this right condition than someone who's trying to do it on their own will. Much more powerful. Much more effective. I want to give you this last thought and last point. I want to simply share this with you. It's this. I'm moving on. I have so much more, but I'm going to cut it short for time's sake. My last point is this. In this tabletop discussion, number one, as I said, remember, it's a spirit that does the work. We can work hard, but God can work smarter. But number two is never let anyone tell you the spirit baptism isn't for today. Never let anyone tell you that that stuff was just for the Bible. Never let anyone tell you that you, you don't go around those crazy people because they lift their hands and, and, and they pray in the Spirit or they, they worship or they clap their hands during church services or sing out loud. Or I turned around the other day and I saw somebody cry. I ain't going back to that church. They're crying there. Sad people cry. That's a sad church. Not really. 
Sometimes people feel overwhelmed by joy because God lifts their burdens and God takes care of their problems. It's a, it's a spirit of gratitude that happens sometimes. Never let anyone make you feel like an oddball because you, you love Jesus or put him first. Don't let anybody make you feel intimidated just because you believe in God and believe that God can, period. God can. God can. God can. You don't even remember that song. God can do anything that you ask or think. He holds all power in his mighty hands. Nothing is impossible for God to do. And a lot of people know this. How many of you know this? God can do anything. God can do anything. We're living in a day and an age where you have to be politically correct on everything. You can't offend somebody by praying and saying Jesus. You can't, you know, you can, but no one wants you to. Inviting someone to church sometimes is kind of like a, I don't know. They may not, they may get offended. Because most people's churches today is really their houses and really what they do and their businesses and everything else. I think that I think that God is really trying to move this nation, this church and our city to a place of dependence again where we realize how important he really is. I mean, can I ask you a question? Do you really think it's a coincidence that all simultaneously this year we've had a number of earthquakes fires around this nation at the same most of you don't even know that at the same time we were having hurricanes there were fires hurricanes that we're still trying to recover from mass shootings going on all around riots taking place because of political incorrectness and if we think things are going to get better you're sadly mistaken the only way they can get better if you bring better to your house you bring better into your lives you're not coming to church for yourself only you're coming to church because of your family your children I've got four kids three of them are older but I still got a little boy and there's one thing I want him to know. If we were sitting at the table today in my house, I'd look at him right in the face and I'd tell him, Joshua, son, never let anybody tell you that the power of God isn't available to you. Never let anybody tell you that God doesn't work today like he did in the Bible. Never let anybody tell you that God can't help you and that God won't be there for you. Because I want him to have an experience because the greatest thing I can leave for my family is a legacy. The greatest thing I can leave is a legacy of prayer and worship and, and being a man after God's own heart. I don't care. I don't care how much money you got in the account. If your heavenly account isn't up to what it needs to be, your children will have nothing to withdraw from. That's what I'm saying to you. When we sit at the table and we have these discussions, it's, it's not just for yesterday. Listen. Acts chapter 2 and 16 said it like this. When Paul, when, when Peter was looking at everyone and God poured his spirit out and they were just flowing in it and they were receiving it, he said when they were mocking him, saying these are all drunk, they're drunk people, man. 
They're wasted. And Peter looked at them and said, they're not drunk as you suppose. It's only three. It's only the third hour of the day, which is about nine o'clock according to our time. And he said, but this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, that's you. That's you. You're all flesh. You can run, look at somebody else and tell them you can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> he loves you so much. He's going to hunt you down like a bounty hunter. He's got your name. He's got your address. He's got your number. I'm just saying today, watch out. The love of God is coming to your neighborhood. The love of God is coming to your house. That's our prayer today. God, touch us today. And he said, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, not, not, not our president, not a politician, not, not your mom and dad, but said God himself that I will pour it out my spirit out of all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That means that prophecy, that let's break it down. Let's get out of the church jargon. Let's not speak Christianese. Prophecy means that God will himself give them foreknowledge of what the will is for your life and what is to come. Some of you call it intuition at times, but God goes deeper than that. He said, but your sons and your daughters are going to have wisdom that comes from above and insight to know what to do and what's to come. And your young men shall see visions and they will have clarity in the spirit through a relationship with God, in other words. And your old men shall dream dreams when they thought their life was over. Let me tell you, Moses was in his 80s when God called him to bring Egypt, uh, Israel out of Egypt. But he said, I'm going to enable older men that feel like their life is over. I'm going to give them dreams in their sleep while they're resting. I'm going to give them insight. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to help them understand some things. And on your men servants and on your handmaidens, uh, your maid servants, I will pour my spirit out on those days. He said, in all this, in verse 21, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved that's not hard it just takes us to start believing I believe that God wants to take the limits off your life I believe that God wants you to start stepping up to another whole level of faith and start to be more dependent on him and start saying to him I believe you can, God. I believe he wants us to call on him first before we call our friends. I think he wants us to bring our complaint to him first. Then I think he wants to graduate us to a place where we start telling him about him being the answer. That's called praise. When you tell God who he is in your life, he is my provider. You're my provider, God. You're my healer. You're the one who, who fends off all of my enemies. You take care of all my problems in my life because I depend on you. You said you'd protect me. You said you'd watch over me. That's the kind of God we serve. He's there for us night and day. He loves you so much. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He is always there. Did you know this morning, God was looking over you like a baby in a crib waking up. And he saw your heart. He knew you'd be in church today. He knew you'd be here today. And I think right now even God's saying to all of us, I wonder if they're going to surrender completely to me. You ever wonder what God thinks? 
I think sometimes God looks down and says, I wonder if they know how much I want to spend time with them. You know how I know this? Because when God created Adam and Eve, the Bible says that God came out in the newness of the day every day to talk with Adam. That's all he wanted. He wanted someone to talk to. Angels weren't much of a conversation or really much of a conversational um, contact or relationship with God or whatever you want to call it. I don't, I don't think angels can meet the need of God in that area because they were made to be servants. But human beings are the only people in the entire world who God's given a will to. And when we talk to God, it's out of our own will. And I think God wants that. I'm not trying to speak for him, but I'm just simply saying that I think the best thing we can give God is our heart and our attention and our trust. Do you believe in him today? He believes in you. You know God believes in you. He does. Come on, stand to your feet. Will you lift up your hearts with your hands right now and just simply make this your prayer? Will you say something like this in your own words? Not, not mine, but your own words. Would you say something like, Lord, I surrender everything to you right now. I surrender everything to you right now. Hey, listen, bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's do this. If you're in this building today and you've not given your life to Jesus and maybe you've been away from him for a while and it's time to surrender in your own way, I'm going to pray with you. We're all going to pray together, but in your own way, if you feel like it's time. I want you to pray this prayer. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to do anything like that, but I want you to pray with us. So just pray with us. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I surrender my heart to you right now. I surrender my mind. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for falling short. Forgive me, dear Lord, for all the things I've done. I receive your love today for me. I receive your love for me today, God. I receive your goodness in my life. I thank you, dear Lord, for what you did for me at Calvary. I believe you died, and I believe you rose again. And I believe you're grateful. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.